and we are live what's going on everyone welcome to game breakers your host edwin back again yes sir it is thanksgiving eve eve guys not thanksgiving but thanksgiving eve but anyways you know what time it is man i'm so happy because we are one day away from thanksgiving one of my favorite holidays and might i tell you guys i'm not sure if you guys celebrate thanksgiving or not but if you do time for friends possibly family fun activities food obviously and just to socialize and have some good time you know so just do your thing have a great time my early wishes for everyone listening to this podcast out there for thanksgiving let's have a great great uh holiday and also a great black friday too the world cup is still in effect so you get to watch some thanksgiving games world cup games early on in that day and also black friday more world cup games yes Yes, 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 I am loving it, and you deserve it. You worked hard, you got the money, so you go spend that 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 money on that bag. You go spend that money on that that shoe that you wanted for the whole entire year, but you couldn't get it because it was too expensive. Now Black Friday comes, discounts, you get to do your thing. But anyways, guys, this is not a freaking Thanksgiving podcast. It's a freaking sports podcast. So we know what that means. Let's get straight into it, and obviously, we are kicking off with the. NFL, what is it, man? We have been going through these for a while now. NFL Week 11, Week 11 recap. We'll get to Zach Wilson and his benching. We'll get to the, the freaking Patriots and Jets game. We'll get to every game on the list. So let's actually start off with the Bears and Falcons. I'm not going to start with my Jets first. Start off with the Bears and Falcons. Uh, Bears lose this game 24 to 27. I must say, Quarter Patterson looks much more healthier. He does. I mean, he looks much more explosive. Had a couple of big runs in the game. Had that big kick return for a touchdown in that game. I think he made history also as well, too. So he's a game changer. And you can see that when he's on the field for the Falcons, he makes them much more dynamic than they have been in the past when he's not there. Because let me tell you guys something, man. When he's not on the field, this team has no means for anything explosive. At all. They don't have an explosive passing game. They don't really have an explosive run game. They they commit to running the football. Don't get me wrong, but he provides that spark for them. And I think that through his spark, you have openings for other players to make other you know things happen in that game. Jake London, Kyle Pitts when he was healthy, but he's not injured. So, I mean, we'll see what happens in the future of how they continue to be much more explosive. But for this game, got the running game going for Justin Fields once again. I mean... You know, Justin Fields, to me, has found something that has been working. And so have his coaching staff, too. They found something something that's been working, and they have been utilizing it for the past two weeks to be able to create some big chunk yardage plays and to keep other defenses honest. And that's what you do with a young QB, right? I mean, he did make a big – he missed a big throw, sorry, in the first quarter to Darnell Mooney. But aside from that – I think the Bears kind of controlled the game in the whole entire first half. What were they, up 17-7? to Yeah, so they had a chance to really push on and continue winning the game. But let up a couple of big plays. The Falcons get a good drive going. They get a drive right before the half that gives them some momentum. Okay. And, you know, it's a totally different ball game in the second half. Totally different ball game. And, you know, Falcons, I think it's tied at that point. It's 24-24 all, right? And the Falcons make a bold call on fourth down in the fourth quarter, fourth and two, I believe. They get it. Instead of taking the field goal, you end up taking the field goal anyway. But you get a big play by your defense. Justin Fields throws the pick that's a little bit too high on the last play of the game. Uh, But that's how it essentially ends. So I, I picked the Bears to win this game because I thought that, you know, whatever team has the best player on the field, which is by far Justin Fields at, at this point, they would win the game. It was close, uh, but they kind of lost focus in the second half, which is why you see them losing this game. So let's move on. Uh, Lions and Giants. I called the Lions to win this game. They did. All right. Lions won the battle of the trenches. And I have. it's so funny. It, it, it is so funny, right? Because there are so many Giants fans out there that I speak to on you know, a week-to-week basis. And we banter, we joke around about Jets and Giants and who's better and who's whatnot. And it feels as if sometimes these Giants fans are so freaking delusional. 
so freaking delusional. Oh, we're gonna beat the Lions. Oh, we gotta we're gonna beat the Lions. We're gonna we're gonna be gonna go far in the playoffs, bruh. Guys, the way my face is formed after I hear these inane statements by them is crazy. These goofy statements. Because what the hell are you thinking about, bro? Your team is not built the way you think it is. And we saw on Sunday. There's not a shot to the Giants anyway, but I'm just telling you what it is. I, I'm just I'm telling you what it is. People said that they have a dominant defensive line, right? Better than the Jets. Lions won the trenches battle on Sunday. They ran the ball with, with ease. They they dominated up front with ease. Aiden Hutchinson got in the backfield, had a pick in that game, which really changed the football game at that point in time. Lions went on to score. They're up by double digits at that point. So they controlled the football game for the most part. They really did. Um, and this Giants team is not built to come back from behind. It's not. It's not built to pass your way back into the game. Daniel Jones, he's been playing well this year, but this team is not built to have from throw for 250 yards a game and to win you that way. No, they want to make the game manageable like they have been all season long and run the football, which they couldn't do surprisingly against this Lions defense. I'm surprised at that too. Lions defense has been playing much better in the past three weeks. I thought that last week was a bit of what I saw for the entire season with the big play yardage that was given up to Justin Fields. But the Packers and the Giants, who like to run the football and couldn't do none of that on Sunday, are not blips in a way, I guess you could say, considering that it's been over a course of three weeks right now. They've made some plays. They forced fumbles. Obviously, another fumble in the fourth quarter. Uh, Hodgins. That, that just puts them out of their misery, and the Lions go on to score again, kind of blowing up all, blow all the Giants in this way. But, you know, they don't really have any other way to stay in the game, the Giants do, aside from running the football. And when you don't have that aspect in the game, that's when you see them losing these matchups. And, you know, people were, were, were thinking that they were going to come into this matchup and win. Blow out the Lions. <laughs> come on. Stop it now. Stop it. Lions play hard. We know they play hard. I don't understand why people think it's inexcusable to lose to the Lions. Yes, this is not a good football team, but they still have some matchup problems that can be posed against other teams. And you saw, once again, if you have a good offensive line, if you could run the football very well, then you have a chance to win almost any game, if I'm being honest with you. You have a chance. Why? Because you can wear down teams and you can win the trenches battle. And against this Giants line, it's not a great Giants offensive line anyway. So, of course, you can get home a couple of times. And you saw Hutchinson make a couple of plays in that game, too, that set it all. So, I don't know why these Giants fans came out and said that they were going to be this great team. They're going to blow out the Lions. Like, bro, get a grip, man. Get a grip and watch the film. Because it's evident that you guys don't understand who's coming to town. And Jared Goff put them brakes on you guys. Just saying. Just saying. Cowboys and Vikings, another game that was pretty much, wow, I did not expect this to happen at all. Vikings defense is a worry, guys. It's a worry. And I've been saying this for a while now about this passing secondary that they boast is not good at all. And the run defense is okay. It's average. But you see with the the, uh, the Cowboys coming to town, if they start to run the football on you, then it's not a dominant run-stopping defense either. So when you get that going, of course, you're going to have some big play action passes. You're going to have some big play passes in general. And you saw that a couple of times. Tony Pollard is a guy that I don't understand why we're not talking about him as one of the best running backs in the NFL, because he definitely is. And I think that he's been shadowed a bit by Zeke in the past. And Zeke came back, scored a touchdown. They had another element to their offense once again with him being that big bag to grind yardage and whatnot and to break tackles. But when it comes to the big explosive plays, breaking tackles, and he's gone for 50 yards, 40 yards, that is only Tony Pollard on that, on that team. It really is. It really is. And he proved that once again. Now, for the Vikings standpoint, defense is a worry. Pass protection is also a little bit of a worry because you saw Kirk Cousins didn't really have much to do <laughs> the entire day. I mean, we couldn't get any passive game going. The running game was absolute, was was gone, was absent because there were so many plays in the backfield being made by Michael Parsons and that defensive line that they didn't have any time to do anything. I mean, we have Kirk Cousins taking three-step dropbacks and getting pressured in his face. He's not a mobile QB anyway, so he can't really escape that. You know, 
Um, but I, I just wonder exactly. And this is the reason why I wasn't really too sold on the Vikings anyway. You saw last week they made a couple of big plays against the Bills, but they were never the, really the better team, in my opinion. And here, I called the Cowboys to win again, um, and, they, and they did that. Why? Because I don't see the Vikings staying in games if their defense lets up big plays. And they've also faced another top 10 defense in the league, and they have some issues that are posed against this Vikings offense to the point where do I really think they're going to stay in the game long enough? Or can their defense make plays? And we've seen the defense has been making plays in the past couple of weeks, but it's not a takeaway defense. It's not a shutdown defense by any means necessary. It's not. It's bottom five. <laughs> bottom bottom 20 at least. So, yeah, it's not that good. So, I, I'm, I don't think they're this bad of a football team compared to the Cowboys. And if they played again, I would probably probably pick the Cowboys again, but it wouldn't be this big of a blowout. It wouldn't be. But still, this is a a pre-indicator of, you know, what I kind of saw was going to happen. They would be dominated. This would be a physical football team coming into town, and they wouldn't really be able to match up with them the way that they think they can. All right. Jets and Pats. Now, this game right here was very defensive-oriented, and... For all the millions of Jets fans out there, very much another heartbreaker for this team. I don't understand how. And you guys kind of heard me voice my opinions about these Patriots, these Patriot players on Monday in regards to how I don't understand how we cannot beat this team, especially since they have not been the best and they have always been vulnerable in the past three to four years. But it happened again. All right. Now, Zach Wilson was not committed to to being the starting QB on Monday by Robert Sala. And today, Wednesday, at the time of this video, he has now been benched for Mike White. Now, I will say this. And Sala did say in his press conference, too, about how it's not a nail in his coffin. His career is not over. And you know what's funny, guys? I, I just don't understand. I'm going to criticize Zach Wilson. I'm going to back him up to in a bit here, right? I don't understand why some reporters came out and said that he's not the guy anymore. Now, he may well not be the guy anymore, but to say that we don't think of him or we don't view him as the guy is a bit too much, a bit too much. And it goes back into what I said last week about, you know, if he's playing bad or he's not doing anything for the offense at that point in the game, when it's 3-3, through three quarters, maybe even at halftime, whatever, but the halftime was still in reach, but through three quarters, there's no rule or no law that says, we can't go to Mike White, who is the backup, and then maybe he does a couple of plays here. I don't know how the game plays out at that point, but, you know, we go back to Zach Wilson the week afterwards. Now, again, there's no rule that says we can't stop. I mean, we can't start Mike White for one game because we believe that Zach Wilson is not there mentally, and he probably isn't there mentally. He has a lot of growing up to do. And I said it on Twitter. This will be another learning point, learning lesson for Zach Wilson. And you can see that Coming from BYU, um, we at least I thought the transition to the NFL would be a little bit more easier considering how the franchise and organization was being built for him at the time. You know, we're building a culture here. The culture is going to determine of whether or not he's going to be a good player for the system or not. And it's quite evident that he's still struggling with maturity issues based off of his answers on, what, Sunday, and he needs a little bit more time to grow up, right? which in the NFL, you don't really have that much time anyway. But this is why I'm so big on Robert Sala. This is this is my coach. This is my head coach, guys. And I'm so happy that we have found the right guy because we have had so many instances this season of Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, now Zach Wilson, where these guys have not really been professional and they have not really been what the team needed at the time. And Robert Sala has handled every situation perfectly, in my opinion perfectly all right he has backed his players given them confidence and he has provided the best solution possible to really try and get them back on their tracks i thought that coming into this game this would be the best option to do all right ben zach wilson give him some time and i'm not sure if we're going to go back to him or not but i just think that right now he's losing the locker room and if he did play on sunday and he struggled again then it'd be a, a, a big, big catastrophe. catastrophe. What am I saying? Catastrophe. Yes. But, you know, this was the right move by Salah. He came over here. 
He said that we're not going to start Zach Wilson. He won't even be active for the most part, which also is another good move too. You give him some time to clear his mind, get back into the mental state of football and what we want to do in the future for him. But I don't think that his career is over by any means necessary. I don't, I don't think that his career is over with the New York Jets either, guys, by the way. I really don't. Because I think that a lot of the New York Jets fans are delusional. I really do. I really do. Because why the hell do you guys care if he's throwing for 300 yards, 200 yards? Listen, the Packers game, the Broncos game, the Dolphins game for that matter, right? We didn't ask this guy to do much. And it was really the the, the Dolphins game that we were figuring out how we wanted to win games, play defense, not make a big mistake. So why do you fans care if he's not throwing for 250-plus yards, 300 yards a game, and looking great and fantastic? Why do you care about that? Why don't you care about freaking winning the freaking game, guys? Winning the game. And this is what I don't understand about some fans. Because do you care more about winning or stats? Do you, what do you care about? What do you care about? All right? And we all understand that we were winning in spite of him. But to sit here and say that he has been terrible through that stretch up into the Patriots games is a bit too much. It's a bit over-exaggeration here. It really is. I don't understand. Now, yes, I'm going to call it like it is. Against the Patriots, both games, he's played pretty bad, terrible, trash. I get it. But even last game, if you watch the highlights, if you watch the film, that Chris Sims, by the way, and I respect Chris Sims so much. Why? Because he tells it like it is. And he also does film breakdowns, too. So whenever I come over here in this podcast and I talk about the film breakdowns and whatnot, what I'm seeing, I'm usually seeing it from his point of view, too, because he just he gives great insight. But what he did mention, though, and what I have also said prior to the film review was that I didn't really see any creativity in that game anyway. I didn't see anything downfield anyway. So for all those people that want to come over here and try to criticize Zach Wilson because he played bad, of course he played bad in that game. But can we can we understand this? There was not much to throw to in that game anyway. There was not much. The Patriots had a great feel for how we wanted to do things on the offensive end, and there, was, there wasn't anything downfield to throw to. There wasn't. And I think that people are just a bit emotional and a bit re- reaction. They have a bit uh, of reaction to them after these performances and games because they want to see more. But, yeah, I have to take it for what it is. Like, take it for what it is. Take it for what the situation is. Seriously. The game is still in reach. It's still in reach. All right? If he makes these throws that you guys think he should make, not the open ones that he missed, but the other throws that you guys think he should make when he actually isn't going to make those throws because there's nothing downfield, then the game might change. It might not even be a 3-3 game. It might be a uh, 3-10 game before the punt return. You never know. But what I'm saying here is that people are just too reactionary. That's what I'm looking for, reactionary. These guys just don't understand sometimes, man, of what it takes. And I don't understand either, but I can see that I'm not going to overreact once again about how he performs because I take the bigger picture of things. I really do. I take the bigger picture of things, and I take it for what it is. I'm not defending him in a sense that he played well and it's not really all his fault. Yes, for the most part, it is his fault of how he played and why we lost that game. So even when I'm sitting here for 20 minutes after the punt return, just in silence, because I'm, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked at what had just happened. I mean, first of all, why didn't we get a first down is beyond me, but why did we kick the ball in bounds? It's another stupidity that I don't understand. That was pretty dumb. That was pretty dumb. I'm over here preparing for overtime, and these guys let Marcus Jones run back 84 yards for a punt return, the first punt return touchdown of the season. And what a time to come, by the way. What a time to put Jets fans in their misery again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pissed off. And, yes, I'm also blaming Zach Wilson on that, too, because his foot mechanics, his mechanics in general, were not just good at all. And it's been a recurrent factor this entire season. But understand this. There still, for, wasn't, for what it's worth, for me, wasn't creativity on the field, nothing downfield for him the entire, the entire afternoon. It wasn't. It really wasn't. So I don't think that his career, once again, is over in New York. And I do think that starting Mike White is going to be a good thing for us. And I don't, I don't really care about this whole coin flip thing that, that people are talking about, guys. Like, I want to beat the Bears. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care because that's all by chance. 
Nah, and, and so far, it's surprisingly been right. <laughs> it's surprisingly been right. But I don't care. I want to beat the Bears on Sunday. And if Mike White can help us do that, then so be it. Now, I'm not sure exactly if his performance will dictate whether or not Zach Wilson will come back into the, into the starting lineup in the future. If it does, then so be it. But what I do know is that for Jets fans in general, we want to win. Sometimes our desire to win may provide or may result in us being a bit too reactionary to what we see on the field at the moment, even if we are winning or we're winning at the time. Uh, but we need a new fresh start. Mike White can provide that for us. He's going up against another defense that, you know, may be sleeping. The Bears defense is not the good best or it's not, it's not good at all, to be honest, at this point. Um, has a lot of young pieces there too, but we'll see what happens, guys. We'll see what happens. All right, moving on. Let's dive into the Browns and Bills. The Browns actually started off the game good again. You know, the running game was good all day, and we, we've seen that in the past where the Bills can be attacked on the running game. They can. The Packers did it. The Jets did it. The Browns came in and did it. All right? And I'm not even sure why I didn't bet Nick Chubb for over 50-plus yards because I think he had that in the first quarter already. <laughs> this guy was running the damn football. All right? And Josh Allen was actually contained for most of the game. I think that he threw for less than 200 yards, and there weren't big passing plays downfield. But what I kind of expected in this game was, since the Browns' defense is not good anyway, like it's not good at all, they can be run on, they can be passed on. Even if Josh Allen doesn't have the big passing plays, as you saw, Devin Singletary was not, was there. Like He came in to the game, had a cameo appearance because this defense cannot stop anything on the ground attack. Like, they are just terrible at that aspect of the game, all right? And I think the Browns had a couple of big plays, but they really couldn't finish the game for the most part. You missed the field goal late, which could have possibly brought you back into the game, but I think by that time, it was already lost for me. Um, and you just saw the Buffalo Bills kind of struggle, but they took over the game later on, you know, and – I give him credit in a way. Why? Because, guys, picture this. You don't practice on Wednesday. You don't really practice it for the whole entire week after that. And then you go into the game, you try to muster off what you did off the last week of a, off of a loss, too, by that. So, yeah, it's tough to do. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are still the better team, but we really can't expect them to be on their game and be on their A game, at that matter, after not practicing for half of the week, you know? I think that does matter. I think that does play a role. And whether or not it did, you can see there was some inconsistencies and some inconsistent play on the field. Some, you know, tired. I guess I don't know. I guess they look tired in a way. Just like the whole entire process of getting to Detroit and whatnot. So I don't know. That I think that I think that actually played a role as to why they didn't look up to speed in that game. But they were playing the Browns, so they had a chance to really still dominate regardless. <laughs> you know, so we'll see what happens with them against the Lions coming up on Thanksgiving night or afternoon, for that matter. Raiders and Broncos, Adams versus Patrick Sertain. One nil to Devontae Adams. Wow, this guy just obliterated Patrick Sertain, obliterated him. And it's not, you know, I, I think that Patrick Sertain is still, he's he's still a top five cornerback in the league regardless. You know, probably still top three for the way he's playing. Probably even top two. But it just happens where you meet a receiver and sometimes that receiver may have a number that day. That's just what it was. And I'm actually surprised, right? Because the Raiders, who I did not pick to win this game, were down 10 nothing, and they came back and won this game in overtime. Now, the Broncos, to me, give them credit as well too. They did have something in the passing game this time around. You know, what was funny is that I think Melvin Gordon played a little bit of a role as to why they were looking a little bit better on Sunday at least, and he gets cut the week after, <laughs> which is crazy. It shows you how, how quick the league can turn on you sometimes, right? But anyways, you know, for the most part, they had a passing game. But then I took that into context, and I said, it's the Raiders. I mean, last week, Matt Ryan had a passing game. Last week, the Colts had a running game. So, yeah, the Broncos, who have not been playing well all season long, played their best or one of their best performances again against the Raiders, who, by the way, don't have a good defense at all. Still bottom five for me, bottom 10. It's not been looking good at all, all right? 
But I'm very surprised at the Broncos defense as a whole. Why? Because fast forward to the fourth quarter, um, they're driving, the Raiders are driving. And this is, by the way, actually, let's let's rewind here, right? The Broncos are trying to win the game, ice the game, whatever. Game is tied. And this is why I don't understand exactly what the hell Russell Wilson is doing sometimes. And I think that it's gotten to his head. Like, it has. It has gotten to his head in the sense that he doesn't really know of what the basics are anymore. Because you're driving for a touchdown, field goal, whatever, and it's third and long. Instead of taking the sack, because you are still in field goal range, instead of taking the sack after the two-minute warning, this guy throws the ball away. And it, it was like to no man's land. So it was evident that he had the intention of throwing the ball away because it was to nobody. But I'm, I'm wondering why you did that in the first place. Because you run the clock down, you get a fair goal. Now the Raiders don't have any timeouts. They're forced to work against the clock. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Take the sack and let's get a fair goal and give them at least one more minute. Now they have one minute and 40 plus seconds left. That is so stupid to me. <laughs> that is so dumb. And it looked as if the Raiders had a chance to score a touchdown on their drive. But they got stopped. I mean, after that big pass play to Josh Jacobs, by the way, I don't understand how the Broncos had so many pass-blown uh, coverages in that game. Josh Jacobs in the fourth quarter. Devontae Adams in the OT period as well, too. There were so many blown coverages. But going back to the fourth quarter, it's like these guys were almost about to score a touchdown, and that would have been going back to why Russell Wilson didn't, like, take a sack. You throw the ball away. Why do you do that for? I don't understand. That, to me, is just mental. He is out of it, guys, and he has has to go get a way to get back into the whole scheme of things because right now it is not looking good. And I know that people want to blame the head coach. That's not a head coaching problem. That's not. It's really not. That's a veteran, Hall of Famer, competent QB, situational QB type of player that you need to have on your team. And surprisingly, he has not displayed those characteristics this entire season. This entire season. It's not the first time he did something stupid when the game is is getting to crunch time. Remember, he threw the pick. He threw the pick to Stephon Gilmore right right before the Colts got their driving field goal to tie the game up. Don't forget about that. That was that was that was terrible as well too. Uh, on TNF, so to me, I don't understand what he's doing right now. I really don't. Rams and Saints. The Rams are now officially done. <laughs> and what's funny is that both teams moved the ball effectively in the first half, but when you saw Matthew Stafford go out with that concussion, then it was like, okay, this game might just turn on his head because at that point, the Saints were kind of gaining some momentum. They were kind of controlling the football game, and once he went out. It had Perkins started playing and playing the game. It's like, okay, yeah, we're not going to really have that much to go off of at this point in time. Um, I did actually see a running game for the most part for both teams, which is surprising. I did. I did. But uh, give credit to the defensive lines in this game. Both have four sacks. I think that the Saints sacks were much more impactful. As you can see, Stafford going out. And he took a lot of beatings and that a lot of hits that day. But this is why I don't I don't really know what to call with the Saints sometimes. Because this team can be so inconsistent. And if they were just consistent, which is easy to say for any team that plays, but if this team, for instance, was so consistent in what I thought they could be, this is the dominant factor that I see that could have made them be a potential wild card contender. But now it's a bit too late. It's a bit too late. You know, maybe they have a chance in that division because it is still terrible, but it's a bit too late for me. I don't understand why any Dalton plays this way one week and plays trash the, ne- the next week. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And the Saints had much bigger passing plays, much better passing um, schemes in that game that you could say helped them to win. Because let's let's face it, guys, we, we don't have Cooper Cup. You don't really know who the ball's going to go to. That could be a blessing in disguise. But as we know, Stafford is, is his main man is Cooper Cup. He's not there. I don't know exactly if they're going to move the football as, as well as you think they are. And he did have that one big pass play to Tutu Atwell. I, I'll give you that. But, you know, for the most part, it's like 
once the Saints got that control, there was not really much to give uh, confidence in for the Rams to come back into this game. So I don't know why the Saints do this to me. I pick them to win sometimes. They fail. I pick them to lose. They they fail to do that too. <laughs> but this time I, I picked them to win this game. They did just that, just that. So we'll see what happens for them in the future if they have a chance to be a contender for the wild card or actually not for the wild card, but be a contender for the division because I think the wild card is out to reach at, the, at this point. Colts and Eagles. Colts could cause problems. Colts posed problems against the Eagles. Why? They ran the damn football. They ran the damn football, okay? Defensive line was also dominant in that game. And we saw that Jalen Hurts was contained for the most part, not in the, pa- not in the running game, but in the passing game. Because Jalen Hurts, he's a guy that can run the football. We get that. But over the past couple of weeks, I haven't really seen him break out for big run gains and go out and have, you know, 60-plus yards in the running game because he's been able to pass the football and he's also had another running game to his disposal where he could just lean on that. But they took away their passing game for the most part. So he utilized his legs, which he did. And by the way, we forgot how great he could be at running the football. He is great at doing that. He is great. Okay, let's go into the game right here. Eagles get a break after a Taylor fumble because A.J. Brown gets the Eagles to fumble, and he gives it right back. So, actually, the Colts get a break. Sorry. Colts get a break. Um, And I think that one big play in that game that really gave the Eagles a chance to come back into this game or to win the game at least was that Hassan Reddick sack in the red zone that was crucial. Forced the Colts to take take a field goal and let you have a chance to go get a touchdown to win the game. Now, Eagles are driving. You get a big pass interference call. You get a uh, a Hurts fourth and two run up the middle that he gets. And then the last play of the game for me, basically the QB draw up the middle. No one expected that. No one did. But it was the perfect call. Perfect call for a guy that has had a lot of success the entire day of running the football, which he did. So I don't think that the Eagles being tested is a testament to them being frauds. I think they're still a good football team. And yes, they were they were put under scrutiny for losing to the commanders, I guess you could say, and they were put under pressure against the Colts on Sunday. But a road game in which the Colts actually do have a matchup problem that could be of nuisance to the Eagles, and it was because the Colts have a good defense, and the Eagles came out on top. Nick Sariani after the game over here talking smack to the Colts fans and whatnot, or the Eagles fans, I forgot who he was talking to. But, I mean, they have a fired-up head coach. They have a team that can still pose problems for any phase of the game. And you saw on Sunday that they can find other ways to win. And that Sunday, it was through Jalen Hurts' legs. All right, Bengals and Steelers. Both teams actually looked great in the passing game, more so the Bengals. But we just see now that Joe Burrow has leaned in more again on T. Higgins. Have a day. 148 yards. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I think that for the Steelers side of things, Kenny Pickett looked commanding. He looked decisive. And it wasn't a big passing play yardage type of day for him. It was more like a dink and dunk, short passing situation, but it worked out. And surprisingly, he was able to move the football efficiently in this game, especially in the first quarter, first half. They were up 20 to 17 at that point. So give him credit. But as you saw as the game goes on, the Bengals take over with their passing attack. You know, Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan, those guys got going, all right? Even if T.J. Watt makes a ridiculous interception that gives the, the Steelers a field goal, still wasn't enough <laughs> because it was just too much, too much. And the Steelers, to me, had the whole philosophy wrong because you don't play man against this team, even if Jamar Chase is not there. Because this team, you don't really have any lockdown quarterbacks anyway on that team, regardless, right? So why not force Joe Burrow to look at the coverage and and try to decipher where he wants to go to there? I mean, you have T.J. Watt back. You have Alex Highsmith, who's been playing good since he's come back, at least with that one game of two sacks, who's also very much decent as well, too. So I don't, I don't understand why you decide to freaking 
play man-to-man coverage against T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd when this team has shown in the past that it's not afraid to take shots down deep or to take these shots with man-to-man coverage be when you have that look. I don't, I don't I really don't get it. I don't get it at all. But Ravens and Panthers, another team in the AFC North that wins. The Ravens better be glad that the Panthers suck. <laughs> Guys, because the way this game was going, it, it, similar to the Jets game, it came down to who would make the biggest play. And the biggest play came with the fumble by Baker Mayfield that changes the game. Not, I mean, not Baker Mayfield, sorry. He throws to Shai Smith, and he changes the game by fumbling. That was caused by Marcus Peters. Um, and it wasn't really all Baker's fault, but it just proves to you why, you know, I don't, do you really have any confidence in him trying to win you games? You know, that's the issue I have here. Like he, it wasn't all his fault, but they couldn't muster up anything on offense, anything. And don't forget the Ravens are playing much better defense, but just a couple of weeks ago, they were not a great defense. So I'm not sure how they found a way to turn it around and look much better and much more competent. But this team still has some weaknesses that you can still exploit. But then again, it's the Panthers. They don't really do too much. You know, they come out one week looking great and fantastic. The next week, like you saw on Sunday, they look kind of lackluster, putrid, can't get, can't get nothing going on offense, no running game, which is not a bad thing for Bacon Mayfield, and it's not his fault at least. But that's the issue you have there. You know, and now you're going to start Sam Donald next week, too. So there's just a whole lot of problems, too, that the Ravens are lucky that the Panthers are dealing with right now. If not, this game would have been mightily different, mightily, because you get any other competent team, and maybe the game still goes in your way regardless, but if you get any other competent team, hmm, I don't see you guys winning by by 10 points, 13 to 3. Come on now. Come on. But Sack basically ends the game. Multiple sacks by the Ravens defensive front that ends the game, and that says it all. Uh, Commanders and Texans game starts out with a pick six, and Davis Mills, who I think is benched now, by he's going to be benched, and I think they're going to go with a new QB. Drawing a blank on the QB's name, I think it's Allen or whatever. But you know, he doesn't have a great game at all. The Texans had five yards on offense, <laughs> so it's apparent that the Jets had a bad deal on on, on the offense. Texans had a bad day as well, too. I mean, damn, five yards on offense? That's insane. Couldn't muster up anything the entire freaking afternoon at all. No passing game, no running game, which was very surprising as well, too. But we knew coming into this matchup that the commanders would be much more rejuvenized. Their defense is playing much more better, has 12 takeaways in the past couple of games, has let up only, what, 18 points in the past couple of games. So they have been playing really well playing really well and now you get back chase young too in the future so yeah this team is still in the playoff hunt and they have a chance to actually make some noise if they get back chase young and make some more plays and win this game but you can see that this game was pretty much over from the first quarter like it really was the game the scoreline was 23 to 10 right it doesn't really do it justice for how the game went entirely it was a beat down it was an utterly dismantling of the texans and, you know, we just see that the, the, the D-line was once again dominating. Dominating once again. So I don't know exactly what the Texans are going to be able to do in the future weeks. But what I do know is that for the Commanders, their shots are still up there. They have a chance. They have a chance. Chargers and Chiefs. Here we go. Man, Travis Kelsey is a beast. And I actually had this convo with my brother the other day about whether or not he believes Travis Kelsey is the best tight end to ever grace the football fields. I said he is, to be honest. I think he is already. I really do. Now, my brother's a Patriots fan, so of course he's going to step up for Gronk and five rings and whatnot, bro. Listen, rings aside, Travis Kelsey is that man. He is the best passing, best pass-catching tight end in history of the NFL for me. And yes, it is a bit too early to say that. I don't care. I don't care. He is that great. He is that great. And now what people may say is that, oh, he has Patrick Mahomes throwing the football to him. Okay. What other great tight end has never had uh, another great QB throwing the football to him? That's one. And two, even if that's the case, have they been anything like Travis Kelsey who can break tackles like he can, who can sit down in zones when the play breaks down and be smart and get extra yardage and be a touchdown machine? I mean, come on now. Come on now. But, you know, 
Uh, we have the Chiefs and Chargers in this matchup. Keenan Alley comes back, has a big fumble in the game, but comes back late in the quarter, the fourth quarter, to make a big catch. You know, it seems as if the Chargers are going to come back and win this game after we have that that fumble by um, McKinnon. You know, but they just couldn't get the job done. Why? Because you give too much time on the clock for Patrick Mahomes to march down the field and score a TD. And by the way, we have seen now that the Chiefs can be a, a physically dominating, imposing team on the running end. Pacheco, 107 yards. He gives them matchup problems for any other team. And to be honest, they should have ran for more. You should have. I mean, you have the perfect scheme and the perfect back to run it with against this Chargers front that can't stop the run. A guy that's going to grind out yardage and is going to break tackles. And, you know, you have a scheme that is good enough to block and have your concepts going. So, you know, they should have gave him a little bit more carries to me, but it is what it is. Um, I'm going to say this about one play, and we'll move on. I'm going to defend Brandon Staley for his decision to not go for it on fourth down. And, you know, after that play happens, the Chiefs get the ball, and they go down the length of the field, and, and they, they score a touchdown. Okay, fair enough. So, to me, forget what the analytics say. They're, like, to be honest, when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes, to me, you don't want to give him any short field to, to, to use. You don't. You don't. And if you look at the first matchup, the Chargers did pose some problems for the Chiefs in their first matchup. So they already have a good feel for what he wants to do anyway. So with that being said, you punt the ball, you pin him back deep, and if he beats you that way, then so be it. He's just a great player. That's what he does. To me, I hold my hands up. I'd be like, hey, you did it. You did it. Like, you did what we thought that you, you – you did what we thought we could do, it, which is stop you, and you, you did that. You didn't stop us. I mean, what, what am I even saying here? Basically, guys, <laughs> that's funny. I'm already getting mixed up with my words. You basically drove the length of the field on which we thought you couldn't do, basically. Yes, because pinning – Patrick Mahomes that far deep is always a great win for you. It is. Now, if he beats you that way, then so be it, of course. But I know people are coming out here trying to criticize him for not going for it since he likes to go for it all the damn time. But you can see the kind of maturity and the growth of a head coach that he has become since last season, at least, because he's not taking chances that he thinks can lose in the football game, which is good for me. It really is. Um, I think it's good coaching. Last but not least, Niners and Cardinals. All right, so this game was an utter beatdown. I called it to be an utter beatdown. Um, I think that the Cardinals look actually pretty good in regards to the passing game. DeAndre Hopkins looking good. Cole McCoy looking good early on, right? And the Niners getting off to somewhat of a slow start. But as you can see, even if the Cardinals do have Vance Joseph, who has a good feel for what they want to do against the Niners, um, he wouldn't be able to contain this team. Why? Because it's a much more physically imposing team. And the Cardinals on defense were very much underwhelming. I don't know exactly how many tackles they lost. I mean, they 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 missed, but they missed a couple of tackles, guys. A couple of tackles that I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? The George Kittle tackle, the Brandon Ayu tackle, the another George Kittle tackle. I mean, these guys gave these guys, these guys gave these guys free points. Free points. You stop them, you never know what could happen. But the missed tackling was atrocious. It was atrocious, guys. Seriously. And we know that the, the Niners have their ways and their schemes of drawing up for Christian McCaffrey to get going. Jimmy Garoppolo, once again, for all you credits out there, he had another good game against a good defense. So there's that. But it was just too much for them. And they didn't help their case by missing all these damn tackles. It was insanely disappointing to watch. Because for a defense of your caliber, you should not be missing those tackles. You just shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. And after the game, Jimmy Ward comes out and says that he doesn't really respect DeAndre Hopkins' game. Come on now. I mean, give this guy some respect, guy. I mean, he did beat you on a couple of plays that game. Like, come on now. Don't come over here and after a win feel big and everything. I mean, you can talk smack whatever you do want to do. Like, it doesn't matter to me. But I'm just saying, like, don't suspect greatness. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins is still greatness with whatever quarterback he plays with. And you saw last night, or on Monday at least, he played with Colt McCoy, and he was still great that entire night for me. 
So, you know, didn't have much of a running game either as well, too. So it was tough to move the football. And you can see that when the Niners got control of the game, really didn't look back. But it is what it is, though. The Cardinals are in disarray. They have to look towards the future. And the Niners are steadily getting healthier, getting their groove on. And they are now continuing to be one of the more dangerous teams in the NFC for me. All right. Now, let's talk about some Thanksgiving matchups. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for these. So, Bills and Lions. The Lions actually have a chance to pose some problems. Why? Similar things for the past three weeks, for that instance, running the damn football. I mean, if you stop Jamal Williams, then maybe you have a better chance to, you know, win the game for the Bills at least, right? But they can't stop him. I don't think they will stop him. I think the Lions have an imposing front on the offensive line. And considering how he ran on Sunday, considering how they won that game on Sunday through the, the trenches and then getting the big explosive passing plays, the smart plays, yeah, this game could definitely be close. It, it definitely could be close. You know, and if we can see somewhat of the Lions playing good defense the way they have been playing in the past three weeks, of course it could be closer. You know, we, we just can't say that the Bills have a better team, so they're going to be able to win this game outright, which I think they still should regardless. But to say it'll be a cakewalk, I don't think it will be. I really don't. I think Jared Goff is smart enough and is good enough to move the football against this Bills front and secondary. Now, the the issue here is will be that, you know, can he withstand the pressure that will be from Von Miller and co., right? But if he gets little pressure... There's no reason to believe that I don't think he can dart the Bills up because we saw Kirk Cousins do it like a week ago. <laughs> so um, it is very much still possible. And he will have a running game at his disposal. But the Bills stopped the running game. And not really much to talk about here. Not really much to talk about. But I haven't seen anything in the past three weeks, guys, and counting of them stopping any running game. So with that being said, I, I think that the Lions will have still an issue of trying to contain Josh Allen which he still finds a way to make these big plays and to uh, make things happen. So I'm going to go Bills 27 to 21. Um, but I don't think it'll be a cakewalk. And I think that for all those who are hoping for it to be a nice matchup, it will be a nice matchup on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Giants and Cowboys spread is 10 now. It was 9.5. Now it's 10. Damn. So they're expecting the Giants to get blown out here, which I think they will actually. Here's why. The Cowboys to me probably – are going to touch the Giants tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, guys. I mean, you look at their team, the way they're stacked, the way they're built. Look at the last matchup with Cooper Rush compared to now with Dak Prescott. It's a totally different matchup, totally different feel for the game. And now you have Zeke healthier, I guess you could say. Tony Pollard, they can run the football. That was a big issue in the first matchup, running the football against them, which they had no answer for. The Giants did. All right, and... You saw the past two weeks, the Texans and the Lions come into town and run the football against the Giants. So, yeah, you run the football against them tomorrow night or evening, for that matter, and you do what you do, okay? And then Dak Prescott has shown that the passing game is getting going. We have some more explosive plays on the field now. We have some more big yardage situations. So, yeah, I'm picking the Cowboys to get after Daniel Jones, Michael Parsons to have another dominant game again and for them they're not really a passing team anyway so the cowboys i i think that if you stop the run you stop the whole entire game plan you really do you commit to stopping the run they're not a passing team their passing attack is as good as the freaking falcons close at least it's not that good so yeah i'm gonna go cowboys here uh 34 <laughs> another 30 point game 34 to 17 yeah patriots and vikings for the last matchup here we go here I'm picking the Vikings in a slugfest. The Patriots' defense is for real. Okay, we saw that last week, even against the Jets' offense. But because it's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson and Dalvin Cook to worry about now with a competent QB, um, they're going to be able to at least make some plays in the passing game. Now, the issue here is that Mac Jones will have an easier defense to go against. Because as we just noted, the Vikings defense is not great at all. It's not good. It's pretty much bad. But if you can find any way to get pressure, 
And I'm not sure the status of uh, Mark Andrews, the center. But if he plays, then they'll have better pass protection. If he doesn't, then it might be a little bit harder to pass the football against this front, Darius Smith, once again. You know, but the secondary is there for the taking. It really is. It's not a good secondary at all. Um, it's pretty much raw. It's pretty much undisciplined at times, not creative. So will that board well for Mac Jones? It definitely will be boarding well for him. And if they can find a way to get the running game going as well too, then it might be a little bit tougher for the Vikings to win. But I got the Vikings winning this game 24 uh, to 17. Actually, no, I'll give the Patriots three more points, 24 to 20. Because I, I just think that the passing plays that the Vikings pose will be a little bit much more fearing of the Patriots. Even if the Patriots are a much more disciplined team in the secondary, you know, now you have to also worry about Dalvin Cook and what he could possibly bring to the table for the running scheme and whatnot. So those are my picks for Thanksgiving night slash day. We'll see what happens with that. And I hope I am right. And we'll come back on Friday to give you guys the rest of the picks for this Sunday coming up. But anyways, yes, yes. Let's quickly dive into the NBA real quick. Um, I'll give you guys just uh, – I'll give you guys a quick hits for tonight's matchups. I'll see who I, who I pick to win. Wizards and Heat, I'll go Heat because I think Tyler Harris going to come back in this game. 76ers and Hornets, who just beat the freaking Nets, by the way. Hornets, I mean, Nets suck. <laughs> That's a terrible for that. Um, I'll go Hornets here still. Trailblazers and Cavaliers. I'll go Trailblazers here. Timberwolves and Pacers. Give me the Timberwolves. Uh, I'll go Kings and Hawks. I'll go... Actually, Kings have been playing really good so far, man. They have a... I'll go Hawks still, but Kings, it'll be a good game. Mavericks and Celtics. Uh, give me the Celtics again. Nets and Raptors. Hmm. Nets get a back... back uh... uh a victory here, a bounce back victory. Mm. No, Raptors, Raptors, Bulls and Bucks. Give me the Bucks. Nuggets and Thunder. Give me the Nuggets. Pelicans and Spurs. Give me the Spurs here. I know it's crazy, right? Pistons and Jazz. Give me the Jazz. And last but not least, the Clippers and Warriors. Give me the freaking Clippers here, guys. Give me the freaking Clippers. And that is the slate for tonight's matchups. But the most important thing is to have fun tonight, guys. Have fun. Eat a lot of food. If you go to the gym afterwards, then you deserve it as well, too. But listen, tomorrow is the, the day where you could be fat or you can have as much, as much food as you want to and no one can 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 criticize you for it. You know, do what you got to do. It's your one day, your one day. And I'm not trying to be uh, I'm not trying to be uh, disrespectful or anything, <laughs> but I'm just saying go go crazy, eat your food and have some fun. But anyways, guys, keep on supporting us on TikTok. Instagram, Twitter, and we will be back on Friday to give you guys some more content in the future. It is your man, Edwin, and I am out. Peace.